Hey, what's happening, everybody? This is Raleigh Castillo, and you are tuned into Health Tavern RGV. This is podcast number three. And just a quick show note to let you know that if you are listening to this, it's because you are listening to the non-member feed on either Spotify or any one of the other podcatchers. So if you want to listen to the full almost two-hour podcast with Clark Ortiz, uh, go on over to healthtavernrgv.com, become a member, and you have access to not only the podcast, but the video cast as well, so you can you know either watch it or you can listen to it. The only difference is when you listen to it, the full podcast, you can actually turn off either your phone or whatever device you're you're listening it on, and you know you can go on about your business. You can uh, just listen to it in the background and what have you. So, again, this is the non-member feed that you are listening to. You will uh, have about 30 minutes of a conversation between me and Clark Ortiz uh, on uh, this one. In particular, is on doubt and evidence in the Christian faith. Clark is a believer, I am a non-believer, and we debate the existence of God, so uh, enjoy, and we'll see you at hellstavernrgv.com. I wanted to ask you about doubt. Mm-hmm. I mean, doubt's a very, it's a human, it's a very human feeling, it's natural, right? Mm-hmm. One of the things that I do remember in growing up was that doubt was almost forbidden it was kind of seen as you know the work of the devil mm-hmm. you know if you have questions about perceived contradictions right. in the bible or if you have questions about you know why things seem like they're wrong mm-hmm. right um but god orders them anyway like the murder of the amalekites mm-hmm. In the ordering of the of you, you know you know mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure when you have questions about stuff like that it's always met with we well, you can't question God or or you know God works in mysterious ways mm-hmm. as a, your term as as a pastor I'm sure you've answered a lot of questions about doubt mm-hmm. right what's one of the questions that has got you that got you to I'm not going to say doubt, Mm -hmm. but to question the reality, the existence of of God and the reality of the faith. That's a good question. Um, Well, first of all, uh, doubt is a good place, not a bad place. And there are uh, religious sectors, Christian sectors that believe, like you say, that doubt is of the devil or is wrong. But doubt actually is the beginning of of, uh, interest or curiosity. Knowledge begins by a person saying, I don't know. And doubt actually says, I doubt it. I don't know it. I don't think it to be real, but I'm trying to figure it out. If a person doubts something, he's testing it. He wants to know what it is. Science comes from that position. You know, I don't know where this is. I got to have to prove it. Let me see where the proof is. That's what doubt is. Uh, Jesus was an advocate to those that doubted. Remember Thomas, doubting Thomas, you know, I need to touch the wounds in his hand and on on his rip. And I want to see if it's real. Mm. Jesus led him. So it, it's not evil. Doubt is not evil. Doubt, doubt's a good place if it's accepted. Yeah. That's a good place. It's really the foundation of, of knowledge right. is where doubt comes from. Don't people in the faith look at doubting Thomas as kind of 
a figure that you should not emulate? I think it's been beaten uh, right. like a withered rag as if, yeah, it's not fair. How dare you? Right. Because Jesus rebukes him. You know, he rebukes him, but he lets him touch. Come here. Don't you see it? All right, that's fine. If that's what it's going to take for you to believe, that's totally fine. And that's the whole thing, I think. Uh, I think one of the misconceptions about Christianity is to think that there's these boundaries that you can't cross. Right. And there are plenty of boundaries we're going to cross no matter what. Mm -hmm. You know, we're created in the image and the likeness of God. And that means that we're created to think and act just like him. And so he himself explores. He created man with a will. Yeah. And then he said, let me give him a tree of knowledge of good and evil. You eat of that, you're going to die. You treat, eat of the tree of life and you'll live. So he gives man an opportunity. Hey, I'm going to put something over here. Let's see if you eat it. Right. Because if he was not, uh, if he was not believing that man could possibly doubt or challenge his own existence he, and didn't want it, he'd take that tree out and never give it to him. He says, mm -hmm. let me give it to him. And let him figure it out. Let him find his own trail and his track. Find out what's the difference between right and wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really where we are. You know, how do we find the right, right and wrong? Right. So there's, a, there's a, re, a religious sector. There's a difference between being, having religion and being religious. Religious becomes a dogma that's unchangeable. Having religion is, uh, is understanding I have a, a belief in, and that belief I have confidence in. Yeah. But I only have confidence in that belief because it's proven itself right time and time and time again. And how is it? Explain that a little more. Like, mm -hmm. like for you, for example, yeah. how has it proven itself right? Well, it's uh, first of all, I, I read the scriptures not with, let me find out what it says and do exactly like it. Right. I read the scriptures as, let me test it, almost like a scientist. If this, is, if this word is true, let me give it a go. And let me see how it works. Before I even tell anybody what I see in the scriptures and different different uh, circumstances and situations in my life that I'm fixing through myself, a word that I may need. I need a little direction. I find a scripture and the scripture tells me, you know, I got to love my neighbor as myself. I got to love my neighbor. I, I got I to do good to those that hurt me and take care of those who harmfully use me. Right. Well, I, well why do I want to do that? They're my they're my enemy and, and they're using me. And natural order of humanity says, I want to get away from any obstacles, mm. any challenges. But actually the scripture is saying, let me show you how to get close to them. So go find an enemy and go do something good to them. Love on them and see what happens. That's almost, so it's a testing. So then I take that scripture and I don't just run around and tell everybody, hey, this is what the scripture says. So therefore, you know, you got to love your enemy, love your enemy, love your enemy. No, just give it a try and watch what happens. And you find out that enemy doesn't stay an enemy. Not most of the time. Sometimes they may do. But that's okay. You keep going. doesn't tell you to stop. tells right. you to turn the other cheek and still be there for them. And you love on them. Not because of them, but because of your conviction in that religious belief okay. of what the Word says. And that's how I, I capture that. So religion, being, being religion or being a, a religious person, is in some cases they put a boundary, don't cross it. The Bible's not like that. True, true religion is taking care of the widows and the orphans. That means I got to go out there and try everything and find out who, where are the widows and the orphans? Where are those people who don't have dads or moms or they don't have somebody to lean on? And if I don't, if I don't push the envelope, I don't ask the question. If I don't doubt that I can't find them, then am I really gonna? Am I really gonna be able to tap into the truth of that word? Right. And so going back to to doubt. Mm -hmm. Um. There. I feel like I feel like 
I've I myself have, have a lot of stories of being in the church where things you know kind of happen that you know that make you down. But real quickly, I guess to kind of progress the conversation, let me yeah. let me give you a quick a quick backstory. Yeah. On yeah. on on where I got to where I was or to where I am. Um, I already told you that, that I grew up, I grew up in the church. It was a Pentecostal church, mm -hmm. right? In San Benito. It was called, or it is called, because they're still up, Centro de la Vance Poder. Right. With uh, La Hermana Barker was a, was a pastor. Okay. And uh, my grandma, Celia Trevino, she was a, she was a, like a co-pastor. Mm -hmm. Eventually she, she branched off and started her own church. And obviously we, we went with her. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, this, you know, kind of repeated itself. You know, every Sunday was the same. Yeah. And, you know, every kind of year was the same. You know, you had your struggles, you had your life events, situation. But there was one thing that was constant, right? We were always just, we were always going to church, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you were firm in your faith. Sometimes you weren't, you know, it's just, I guess that's normal for everybody. Well, somewhere... You know, towards towards the the latter end, my my grandma, she got cancer, right? And uh, she had a very she had a real brutal brutal struggle with cancer that led to other complications, right? But there was a moment where you know an event had happened where she got better. Her cancer went into remission, and the church took credit. Right. They took credit that this was a healing from God. Right. Right. And, you know, it was miraculous. She had no, no, uh, there was no hope. And suddenly now she got better. And so we took that as an article of faith, right? Like she healed and. Sure. Well, shortly afterwards, it came back. Mm -hmm. Right. And through a lot of other complications. At this point, her health had, had already started to deteriorate. You know, it wasn't just the cancer. It was infections, you know, through dialysis. And there was just a whole lot of other of other issues. But at, at the end, you know, I feel like she passed away in just a very inhumane uh, style. Was it by the cancer or? Oh, it was. It wasn't. It wasn't just by the cancer. It was the cancer, and it was also other. It was an infection. They should have gone through dialysis, but oh, okay. she was in and out of the hospital. Yeah, right? you very know? rough. Yeah, and yeah, she herself yeah. was just. You, you know that she was just tired. You know, and she would say a lot herself that she wanted already to, mm -hmm. to uh, to pass on. You know, and we kind of knew she was already at the at the at the end. This wasn't what changed my faith what it did change was my willingness to question right and so the wall that the church where i grew up had had built where doubt is the work of the devil and you just don't question well that wall came down now i wanted answers you know there you go and so i started looking for answers right and i started looking you know and not just biblical sources but secular sources right mm -hmm. i wanted to know what other people were saying mm -hmm. you know what the strong men in the faith were saying right so i looked i looked to the intellectuals mm -hmm. in the faith you I mean, I'm, I'm talking about john lennox mm -hmm. rabbi zacharias um william william lane craig mm -hmm. you know the 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 power hitters you know yeah. the ones that that can bring can bring some some sense but I started looking at, you know, at the Christopher Hitchens, at the 
Sam Harris is, you know, the the atheists, right? And what what they were saying, right? And I came away, it it wasn't easy, you know, doubting your identity, right? Because it was my identity, you know, everything I've ever believed. You you when you grow accustomed to let's say praying at night, right? Whether God is real or not, in your mind you're praying to something, right? And you form a relationship. Right. And so doubting that relationship is very hard for a lot of people. You know, it's something some people just don't do or won't even question in doing, you know. Well, I started doing that and I started, like I said, seeking answers elsewhere. And I landed in a place of like, listen, to to be to believe in God, it has to be on faith. Because you cannot expect secular evidence for it. Um, I don't think if there were secular evidence for it, it'd be very hard to be an agnostic or it'd be very hard to be an atheist. And so I guess that started the process of where I am today. For a while, I had gone really far to the, to the atheist side. Almost angry, almost angry at faith or at, Religion in general, you know, but over the years, you know, I I kind of moderated back into more like agnostic, you know, I'm not, I can't, I guess anybody that tells you that they know yeah. for certain, yeah. they're trying to sell you something, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and it's that uncertainty that you have to keep an open mind and you have to keep in focus up because... Well, people just don't know. Nobody was there at the beginning. Nobody, I mean, we're talking, you know, talking, you know, centuries and centuries and centuries of history, you know? So, I mean, that's where I'm at now. You know, I'm sort of, I'm in that place. I I don't think I could ever actually go back into a religion, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's Christianity, whether anything, but I, I see the utility of it. I see the, and I don't mean this to sound like in any kind of disrespect, but I see the usefulness mm-hmm. of it when when it's applied. Mm-hmm. I think I, I, if we were, as a country, to go completely atheist, I, I think just because of our history, I think we'd, we'd be a very nihilistic people. You know, and I, I don't think, I, I, I just don't think people can handle it. I think individuals can handle it, but I think as a whole, people aren't ready, aren't ready to accept that there may not be somebody at the other end of the telephone. Yeah, there's uh, I mean, two strongholds that we have as society that holds us together is religion and politics. And those two areas actually create so many wars, so, you know, they, when you look at it, when you look at it that way. But it's really about perspective. You're in a good place, not a bad place. And, and I would say there's... There's many that are in the Christian faith that would look at you and say, well, you're just lost. No. And you, you know, you're looking. My I, dad. <laughs> you're looking. You're looking. No. He says, Christ says he'll be found if you're looking for him. That, but a looking doesn't mean you find him right away. You know, there's a timeline that could take from the time that you started looking to the time that whatever this journey is between here and there. Your life is a journey. You know, you don't, you don't, you're not born one day and die the next. You have 
85 years to go in this life. You don't know what's going to happen when you turn 85, what your faith may, may come to grips with. So the journey that you're in is good. The worst one is the person who's created their own definitions of what's finite. And that's in both areas. Wow, wow. You know, I mean, even the, the scripture itself tells us to be content without satisfaction. And content means I'm not satisfied yet. I got to keep working for what's better. There's an item here that I have to continue to learn. You know, for instance, if I can use your your grandmother's passing, your grandmother passed of cancer, correct? And right. then there was a there was a time from the time that she, that the church you say took credit for it to the time that she actually passed, which happened to be just a horrific item. And I sit back and look at it a bit different. Here's here's what my purview would say: is that she was going to die at this time. There's many of us that lose someone, like your grandmother. You lost your grandmother. What would you do just to have her one more day? I lost my dad in 2000. What would I do if I could just have him one more day? Would I count that as a gift? If I can have a week, I can have another month. You know, should I be satisfied if God would grant that to me? And so sometimes we look at it like, okay, well, the church took credit. It's a fair way of putting it. But there was a time from the time that she received her healing, that their declaration of, right, to the time that she actually passed, that's a gift because we're all going to die. No. That's certainty. Death and taxes. We're all going to die. If we that's can have point. one more day, what is the value of a day in a man's life? What is that value? You know, what it means to me, if I can, if I can just say something to my dad for a day, just have one conversation for a day, what happens sometimes is in our selfishness or our bitterness or our anger, you know, our own weakness. And we begin to question these things that happen as if it's God's fault or his inability. And we look to blame him. And I don't mind it when people blame it because they're actually making a declaration that he exists. Right. Right. So that's why I have no issues with those that are, those that are questioning, those that are challenging, those want to know, because this is all information that, that we can learn. Um, science proves God. People say, people say, you can't prove God. Science can't prove, science proves God. And every time they run up against God, they try to figure out another way to try to redefine it. For instance, in today's environment, dark matter. That's the one that I'm so intrigued with. Explain that one. And before it was dark matter, I looked at the electron, the, the atom, electron, neutron, proton, these three becoming one. The Bible says three are one. Body, soul, and the spirit. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. It's a trinity being. How they work in balance and order. Super collider has allowed us to remove those elements to find what's in the middle of it. Right. Where they find this, what they call dark matter, they call it a void. They used to call it a void. Now they recognize there's actually something there. They have different names for it. But if it wasn't for it, now they're recognizing super collider has, and science has said, whatever it is that's there that we can't see it, we can now begin to test it. And what it's proving to us is that it's holding everything together. So they go out to the space station and they do a test out there and they find out this is the same substance that's out in space. Space is not a void. Space has a, has a seam that runs through it. It seems to be holding everything together. And I find it ironic. These are students and intellectuals that have studied and maybe 40, 50 years of life. And they come to grips with a statement that's written in the Bible 
But the word says God holds all things together. Nobody ever thought of what holds everything together. But the word that's been around for thousands of years has been saying, hey, here's an answer. God, the love of God holds all things together. Holding everything together. And now suddenly science has a definition of something that holds all things together. So their perspective. If I had a, I have this computer right in front of me, your computer. That's an HP computer. I don't know what software you have on there because I'm not looking in the perspective that you're looking at. So if I described the computer and you described the computer and wrote it out on paper, it'd look different. But it's the same computer. It's just my perspective. So what happens, we got... We have the word that's been around for thousands of years with this beautiful gem that says the love of God holds all things together. And suddenly, through the super collider and science, they begin to recognize there's a substance that's greater than anything that we've ever seen. And this thing seems to be a seam that goes throughout the entire universe. It seems to be holding the planetary systems in place and all the stars and the galaxies. And, you know, it's holding everything together. And it's, an, it's, a, it's a substance that the reason why we're exploring space is because we want to figure out what this is. And I sit back with a little scripture that says, hey, the love of God holds all things together, keeps things in balance. That's the way I translate the word, how the word defines the love of God, that it holds everything together. So I sit back and I say, and I say it like this, that science bumped into God. It looks like science bumped into God. There's something holding all things together. And they're out trying to figure it out when there's a hidden truth inside the word. There's, there's, there's other areas of the word. As long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest, everything is about sowing and reaping. That's been sitting there for the longest time. When we discover new uh, territory on this planet, the, the, the number one item that they're looking for is water. Why? So that way they can sow a seed and they can reap a harvest. For as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest. So now we're looking at Mars. What are we looking for on Mars? Water. Why? Because we're trying to figure out how to produce oxygen. And we can plant the seed and we can grow something, seed time and harvest. There's a beautiful law that's written in the Word. It's been there for thousands of years, Old Testament. For as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest. So science always bumps into God. Problem is they don't, they don't know that, that that's what they're bumping into. An analogy I like to use is this. If you were a creator of an ant, and you had a plan for the ant to go a certain way, and I don't know if you've ever played with ants. I remember in San Benito in elementary school, the ants would be running everywhere. You have these hard floors, right? And, and sometimes the teacher's boring, so I go over there and I play with this ant on my desk or whatever. And I put my hand on the table, and the ant would just run around me or crawl on me. And, you know, it's like he didn't even know I was there. So if I was a creator of the ant, I wanted the ant to go a certain way. And you watch ants, they never run straight. They're always crisscrossing everything. And I can come over here and I can guide my hands. I can try to get, my ant, get that ant to go a certain way. And that ant's not going where I want it to go. So I have a choice. I can kill the ant and try all over again. Or maybe I can try to become an ant, figure out how the ant communicates so I can teach it where it needs to go. Yeah. And that's my analogy of the way I see God. He's our creator. And he gave us a destination and a plan that he wanted us to be. But he gave us a will to decide which way we wanted to go. Right. And we find that the flood came in and he, he flooded the planet and he killed them. He says, I'll never do that again. So then he decided, you know what, I'm going to become like them. And that's where he took his word and created Christ. And allowed Christ to go in there and then teach us a way. And you think about it, he was on the planet for 33 years. 30 years as a businessman, carpenter. Three years, earthly ministry. And he left us these truths. There are three years of a man's life that we're debating today in the year 2021. Everything this man said in three years of his life. I can't help but sit back and say, man, that's, that's some awesome stuff this man said. Because 
causes arguments and fights and love and peace and do war. And it, those are only three years of a man's life, yeah. you know? And so I can't, hit, I can't help but when I see science bumping into God and I see, uh, I see these truths that are in the word that if you just looked at them as just basic principles, let's take mm. religiosity completely off the table and just say, you know, just look at the Ten Commandments and look at the Beatitudes and look at the, you know, look at the things that the word stands for. How can we say that it's wrong? I mean, at least at the root of the word. Say, you know what? This is not just a good book. It's a good book, but it's not just a good book. There's some meaning in there. Three years of a man's life is keeping us debating. I find that amazing. It's, it's an interesting perspective, mm-hmm. right, that you have. Because there's a lot of people that would say that it's actually it's religion mm-hmm. that's been bumping into science. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and it's only religion that after evolution, for example, I don't know how you feel about evolution, mm-hmm. you know, but there's, there's a lot of uh, Francis Collins, for example. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you've ever heard, mm-hmm. uh, he, he's the creator of the, or the um, uh, director, there you go, mm-hmm. of the Human Genome Project. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a Christian, he's a Bible-believing Christian. Yeah. Right? But there's, there's a facet of Christian scientists, right? Like you said, intellectuals that don't question things like evolution yeah. or thing or, you know, or they don't waste their time with the whole 6,000 year uh, theory of, of the, how, the earth, how yeah. the earth was created, right? But every single time that, you know, science has gave us a truth that the Bible or it was interpreted by religious people as a sacrosanct, like that the world is not actually in the center of the universe, mm-hmm. that right. actually the sun is at the center of the It was the church mm-hmm. that beheaded the science, yeah, or beheaded yeah. the scientist. Mm-hmm. And it was the church that's barely has caught up mm-hmm. to science. That's mm-hmm. another perspective also, mm-hmm. right? Or like with evolution, right? It was the church that mounted a, a campaign mm-hmm. to, to shut down uh, Darwin, mm-hmm. right? Because again, to prove that true some would see it as an offense against against mm-hmm. god right mm-hmm. and there is a element of of the faith of religion right that now that we know now right. that there that there is that the science that the, that the religion is catching up with the science mm-hmm. oh it was actually all a part of god's plan after all mm-hmm. i know we tried to silence you and i know we tried to kill you off for hundreds and hundreds of years but now that we finally collided with you so much that we can't win this battle well it actually it was all a part of god's plan after all you know and i, I guess the the issue that i have about an interpretation like the one that you took about dark matter right mm-hmm. that's an interpretation mm-hmm. right like you could see it as evidence right mm-hmm. but you know the quran has similar has similar passages about that, right? Most definitely. Right. Oh, so yeah. he could see that as evidence sure. of, 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 of Allah, mm-hmm. you know, and other religions have the, sure. almost the exact same. So we end up right back at where, at where we are. So either all religions are true, mm-hmm. either none are true, or one is true. Mm-hmm. And it seems like there's a lot of work ahead still if you want to end up with the right religion. 